I like to sneak in quiet glances of men in the locker room at the gym. I'm on the lookout for the 30 to 40-something sum of male physique, grooming, and presentation. My glimpses are brief. I'd call them the how-am-I-doing looks. They include back hair inspection, monitoring underwear choices, seeing how well he's hiding those love handles in that shirt. One day, I was changing after my workout, and this guy comes to the locker next to mine and starts undressing. I turned right when he was lifting his shirt, and I heard angels singing. His body was spectacular, as if a group of many sculptors had gone around and chiseled away imperfections with hammers. He was average height, Dominican if I had to guess, and if he was a boxer, he'd be a lightweight. Just the kind of physique I would love. I was dumbstruck. My first thought was, wow, that's an impressive body. And I don't know if it activated a sense of arousal in me, but my mind moved very quickly, and within a few seconds, I said to myself, Oh my God, my ex-girlfriend is out there having sex with guys just like this. Let me explain. Months and months earlier, I had broken up with my ex, Sophia. There had been no communication, and I'd left the relationship for a number of reasons. But mostly, I had chosen to leave. I knew that she'd be dating eventually, but the reality didn't hit me until I saw this specimen of sexuality undressing in front of me, And imagine my ex's reintroduction to being in a bedroom with killer abs and a new male body in her bed. I had to do something. This is Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need to Stay Away from My Ex-Girlfriend. Sophia and I had been together for a year or so. We'd met friends, some family, and shared a year of details about ourselves that felt like building a private emotional bridge. Of course, I was upset that this hadn't worked out. But the relationship only lasted because the physical chemistry was off the charts. The sex was toe-curlingly good. Besides the sex, we got along okay, but we didn't see eye-to-eye on what we wanted. A few months post-breakup, Seeing this sexy male body messed up my head. If you hit the pause button then and asked, Mark, what's going on beneath the surface right now? I would have said, I'm confused because I think I haven't processed our breakup and I'm feeling very jealous in my head right now that she's out there with her pick of shirtless studs. But in the moment, I was like, what What can can I I do? I went home and started crafting what I call The Bluey. The Bluey is a message that goes to your ex months or years later, out of the blue, and or because you blew it. The Bluey. It varies in content, but I find that it usually involves some nostalgic memory or connection like, Hey, remember how much I know you? Some detail that shows that you've grown up and or some piece of self-mythology, like, I'm still a cool guy, and don't you forget it. It's a lazy call to action that has a few purposes. Mainly, don't stop thinking about me, or help me. 
I love hearing about these horror stories of men going, Hey, remember me? We asked our associate producer, Rebecca Seidel, to look into the Bluey phenomenon. So I made a very scientific Google form that I sent out to a bunch of people, and they copied and pasted their best text messages or G-chats or any messages that they've gotten from exes after any amount of time. We got some really crazy ones. Okay, I want you to actually read us a few of these. Can you start with this one here? And if you can, can you do this in your best receiving a message from your ex-boyfriend voice? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Hello. Do you recall where the bar where we saw the jazz performance was located at? Thanks. It's one of those things where, you know, the guy could have just Googled it. And then he did because she didn't answer him. So the next day she got a follow-up text that just said, the jazz bar was called 55 Bar. <laughs> such, that's so bitter. That's yes. such a bitter response. Thanks for not answering me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this one I love. I hate, but I love. And I need you, I need you to tell us, oh, to yeah. read this one to us. <laughs> hey, I have a headache. What the fuck was going on there? What would have driven that guy to write that? I was pretty blown away by all these messages that we got and I thought it would be great if we had a musical rendition of some of these texts so we brought an amazing guitarist Dave Abrams who's in here with us and we just put these in front of him so we're gonna see what happens (laughs) take it away Dave hey can I come over at 7 a.m. So I know we're not on the best of terms But this is the theme song for Joey Trebiani's spinoff series set in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just thought you should know that I lost my virginity last night And it was with a man <laughs> When we got that Airbnb When did they charge you? Hello Would you happen to have the link to the Myers-Briggs test? (laughs) So we're all on the same page of what a bluey is, right? And what a bunch of wankers. I knew it wasn't a good idea. Yet I still thought about doing it. Because I'm not that guy. That guy sends the message because he thinks you still want to hear from him. I'm doing it because you still want to hear from me. Oh my God, I'm sending a bluey. You are gorgeous. And I believe that. But that is not why I messaged you. I put together an email and hovered over the send button. Something said, let's really think about this. And I moved it over to the draft folder. I can't think about this. Okay, I'm already going to the gym. What else can I do to make myself over? Dear God. All right, all right. I remember the scene from Sex and the City. So Big is in his house, 
making curry pasta sauce. He's stirring, you know, putting in some salt. It's very cool. I mean, it's all in the timing. You gotta brown the garlic before you put in the onions. You know what I mean? I thought we were having fun. She's staring at him. She gives him a little look. And he brings over the saucier spoon. She takes a taste. And then he comes over, gives her a kiss. It's bitter. It definitely has possibilities. Man, it's just, it's so attractive. And just the confidence of making dinner and wine and kitchen and sex appeal and mm, I need to do that. I need a range of recipes under my belt. Yeah, that's it. Like a MacGyver in the kitchen. It started with empanadas, then black bean quesadillas, crock pot roast, Southwest salad. Pretty attractive, right? Meanwhile, that email, the bluey that I was going to send, it stayed in my draft folder. And every time I thought about her having sex or encountered some funky feelings, I find a recipe I'd want to make, go to Food Town, and shop. It's a great supermarket. It's a super supermarket. All the meats are lean and tender. And the price is super slender. Then one day something happened. I found myself in an aisle looking at columns of wheat thins. Original, multigrain, cracked pepper, zesty salsa. And then Cindy Lopper comes over the radio with All Through the Night. And my eyes start swelling and streams of tears start coming down my face. This is weird. But it didn't stop there. Every time I'd go to the grocery store to make one of these recipes, it'd be the same thing. Looking in an aisle, 80s FM starts playing, and my face gets moist. But I wasn't sending that message. It was still in the drafts folder. On Memorial Day weekend that year, I was home alone. For three days, I'd been writing and working on a project, and when it got to Memorial Day proper, I'd spent two days in my head and felt alone. I needed to send that email. I opened up Gmail, And right before sending it, I said, No, I'm going to make a Southwest salad with some goddamn corn, goddammit. So I head to Food Town and frantically start throwing items in my basket. Black beans, lettuce, tomatoes, avocados. But where's the corn? I thought you'd all have my back with some fresh corn in this place. And I asked the produce guy, where's the corn? He says, yeah, yeah, I, I got some in the back. I'll bring it out. And I keep throwing vegetables in my basket until he comes back with some crates. He lifts the top of one of these crates and takes out an ear of corn. He delicately shucks the corn and presents it to me by lifting it to sit between us in the palm of his left hand. He takes his other hand and brushes away a few of the loose pieces and says, Look at that, man. It's beautiful. And I fucking lost it. Tears are pouring down my face. My body is shaking. I'm having to put my hand up to my forehead. There's crying. 
There's tearing up, but I fucking wept. And dude didn't know what to do, so he just doubled down on the corn talk like, yeah, I think they get these from Pennsylvania or maybe upstate. I could ask someone. He thinks this is helping, but it's making me cry even more. And poor guy was probably like, yo, it's a holiday. I'm the one who has to work, dude. Eventually, I got my composure and said, yeah, I'll take that. I went home and made the best goddamn Southwest salad you can imagine. And I didn't send that message. Not that day. Not the next day. Not ever. I've thought a lot about this moment of catharsis over the years. It's funny because I'm not really embarrassed by it. Maybe I was grieving the relationship or the memory of who I was or the passing of time. Maybe it was my vanity at stake. I still can't reckon with what it was, but grief was at the core. All of this solitary grief I was carrying around, just wanting someone to release it. When I was 15 years old, nearly two years after the death of my father, I asked my best friend Andy for a Christmas gift. I knew he was sensitive enough to carry this out. I hadn't been to my father's grave since the funeral, and I asked Andy to give me a ride out there since I couldn't drive. Secretly, I wanted company. Even more secretly, I wanted male company. I wanted a man to comfort me after the experience. There, during an overcast December afternoon in Arlington Cemetery, Andy held me for a universe of time as I quietly wept into his chest. I remember running out of tears at one point and pretending to keep them coming just so I could have a man hold me. Afterwards, We drove home and watched Goldeneye. Nothing was ever said, but I felt better. I felt better for a long time. It's not an easy thing for me to talk about with myself or the man who has to witness it, but I need men to help with my grief because without it, I'm just as likely to send a wealth of bluey messages to all of my exes. I never saw that produce guy again, but I wanted to tell him a few things. Number one, sorry about that. Number two, thank you. And number three, that was really fucking good corn. This is the email that's still dormant in my draft folder. So, Becca, why don't you go ahead and read this to us? I miss you. I've thought about things you said during those talks last year, and there's a lot running through my mind. 
over the last few months in regards to us. If you're open to it, can we meet up sometime after you get back to talk? And I'm not looking for a hookup scenario out of meeting up. Enjoy your trip, Mark. Have you gotten messages like this before? Oh, yeah. You have. Okay. What do you think of that message? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot going on here, I would say. <laughs> but also not a lot in its own way. Like, you clearly, this is something, this is a message where it's, hey, I'm here. Like, look at me. I exist. I miss you. This never got sent. Becca, what I'm going to do with you right now uh-huh. is I'm going to delete it. All right. You ready? I'm so ready. We're going to discard draft and... And it's It's gone. done. All right. Yes. <laughs> nice. Thank you for doing that with me. If you have even like a little bit of a second thought, just don't do it. Just don't do it. This week's episode was produced by Mark Pagan, Ben Goldberg, Tanvir Mansour, and Rebecca Seidel with editing by the whole crew. Special thanks to Dave Abrams, as well as Made in New York and ACAST for their invitation to join the first annual pitch event here in New York. And guess what, guys? We won the Audience Choice Award, and we're still bowled over by it. We want to thank all the folks that voted. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. And don't forget to rate and review because it is a huge help to us. Sign up for the newsletter at OtherMenNeedHelp.com and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We want to let everybody know that the next episode will be our last for the season. So make sure you catch up with all the first season episodes and share with your friends. Until next time, adios, ciao, bye-bye. When we got that Airbnb When did it charge you? When we got that Airbnb When did they charge you? When we got that Airbnb When did they charge you? When we got that Airbnb, when did they charge you? When we got that Airbnb, when did they charge you? Was it August? Was it September? When we got that Airbnb, when did they charge you? Could it have been October? When we got that Airbnb, when did they charge you? When we got that Airbnb, when did they charge you?